You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning or afternoon, wherever the case may be. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer questions. We're here to hear from you. You know, And it's so easy to get a hold of us. We really, really want you to come, come and join us on the show. Easily done. And now with Google Hangouts, it's even easier because it's a click. It's a link. And we, we'll send a link to you. It's there. If you go online to the PetLifeRadio.com, you click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and then just follow the uh, link down there, and it's your link to Google Hangouts, and you can uh, you can be here live with us. We can see you on air. We can see your pet on air. Uh, if you have that spot or that lesion or the, that ear infection, we're going to talk about that in a minute, that you can show me. Very easily done, and we can help you with your pets. The advice is free. The whole show is free. So um, just think how easy that is. Those burning questions that you've had, and you just didn't have the courage to ask your uh, veterinarian, now uh, you can ask me, and it's not going to cost you a dime. Or you can do the good old-fashioned way, and we love that too. Pick up the phone, toll-free, 877-385-8882, and we can uh, hook you in live. And if you are the shy type, and some of you out there are maybe... You can always send us an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com and just go ahead and um, type away. And if we don't get to the question today live, we will get it next week and we'll be here next week and we'll help you out as well. So um, anyway, once again, we're here. Thanks to our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products. Kong, they make phenomenal stuff. They're very intuitive. They make really cool things that help you, the pet owner, the pet parent with your pets. Also, Save This Life Microchip. We're still waiting to have Chance White on air live with us. In fact, there's a little blurb today about microchips we're going to talk about when we get to the in the news. And, of course, Elenco Lily Makers of Comfortis and Trifexis, really phenomenal flea products. Trifexis for flea and heartworm and their oral so you don't get that sticky mess all over your pet. So, as many of you know, I like to uh, sort of go there. We have a couple of news sites that I kind of log into, kind of just what's happening. Um, now, interestingly... Next week, talk about in the news. Next week, I'm going to be in Las Vegas for the Super Zoo, it's called. It's uh, probably the, possibly the second largest pet industry show, trade show uh, in the country. going to be in Vegas. I'm going to be doing a CBS news piece on Wednesday. I'm doing an ABC news piece on Thursday. I'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, we'll get it also. I'll get a chance to meet up with some of the other hosts that will be there from here on Pet Life Radio. But when I come back, we are going to kind of have a, a fun segment on kind of what's new out there. It's always amazing to see what they have. Whenever I go to these shows, I'm always bringing something back for my pets. You know, I got lots of cats. I got uh, six. I got lots of dogs, more than I'm supposed to. And I always find some really, really fun, cool things. So perusing some of the um, the news sites for pets, from a scientific standpoint, you know, we discovered a second influenza virus, canine influenza virus called the CIV. We had the H3N8 that was the one from, a, oh, maybe about uh, almost 10 years ago. Now we have, since 2015, the H3N2. And Zoetis, the, the makers of uh, Apoquil, great company. I don't know if any of you had a chance to use their new Cilio, which was their noise aversion during 4th of July. So they, are, uh, they have come up with a new approved vaccine for the new H3N2 uh, canine influenza virus, which I think is great. Nashville, Tennessee. 
don't know what took them so long. But they've just finally approved a three-year rabies shot. Now, mind you, there is a special rabies shot we use for, for cats that is still only approved for one year. But typically, the rabies shots have been three years in most states. There's some stragglers out there still recommending it every year, which I disagree. Certainly, if you know, there, it's very expensive to do, but there are tests that can be done called titer tests. Now, we have to send blood, for example, samples to Kansas State University. Uh, they have their diagnostic laboratory there. And they do, when, when you ship a pet or you're taking a pet with you to certain countries, they require, or even state, they require rabies titers. They want to make sure, not that, not that you just have had the rabies shot for your pet, but the protection is meeting a certain level. They just don't want Australia. Same way, New Zealand. Most, a lot of these island nations, especially, have never had rabies. They don't want rabies. So they make it very, very difficult to ship animals in, and you have to do the test. Well, the diagnostic lab at K-State also does a non-export titer. It's a little less expensive. They don't have to go through all the paperwork. It can show that your pet still is protected against rabies. I do that sometimes if I have pets that I, from a medical standpoint, just don't want to give a rabies shot. But it's required in California. And all states require rabies shots. So, so what do I have to do is I have to then send a sample off to the diagnostic lab at K-State. And I go ahead and prove that this dog is still protected, therefore does not need the shot again. But it blows my mind that there's certain places, and I didn't want to start naming states because I'm not sure of all of them. Or It's often a city ordinance, not necessarily a state ordinance, because this was in Nashville. I don't know what the rest of the cities in Tennessee require. However... Now, if you live in Nashville, you do not have to give your pet a rabies shot every year anymore. Uh, you can just stick to every three years, which is most places. Another comment report by, and again, this is not news to most of you, I'm sure. Most of you that would listen to us here on Pet Life Radio probably have heard or have their own feelings about this, your own opinions about this. But guess what? Now it's showing scientifically, I don't know how scientifically, but behaviorally, but studies are being done and have been done that some of these, and I hate to use the word cosmetic surgeries because they're not very cosmetic to me, but surgeries like ear cropping and tail docking where people are doing it for because, because of breed standard. I mean, come on, these breed standards are changed now for a long time. Anyway, there's really no benefit. Duh. So what they do find is that it actually might affect their ability to communicate to each other and to others. And some people find, which you know, might have been the reason in the first place, when they decided to crop ears, say, in the Great Danes or in the Doberman Pinschers, that it just makes them look meaner. Now, you know, that could be that because they've always been that way, you know, for years and years before these ordinances and the viewpoints are changing, the breeders are even changing what they're doing with these dogs. So because I graduated school, graduated vet school over 30 years ago. And I never learned how to do an ear cropping. They never taught it in school. So you know that that's how old the concept is of not doing it. And anyway, so because of the menacing look that certain breeds always had, I guess the owners of these dogs and also people now are starting to think that, oh, my God, the dogs look so aggressive. And it is cute. If you've ever seen a boxer, I'm sure well, I, by now I know you have, an adobe with those little cute little floppy ears. They're so much cuter. Come on. So anyway, the evidence is showing now it shouldn't be done for many other reasons, not just because of, you know, you, you just don't want to subject the animal to the surgery itself, which is a, a good reason in of itself. 
but it makes them look more aggressive and it might affect their ability to communicate with each other. Because you, you can tell a lot from ears. If you have those floppy ears and, they, and you can see a lot. Or how about a wagging tail? You take that tail away, you don't get to see, you see a little nub going back and forth. So it's more difficult to read them. One thing that we will talk about at length when I have Chance Wyatt on from uh, Save This Life Microchip, one of our sponsors, but they are now showing that they are becoming as the quote is, a vital pet ID for every time of the year. And what they reports have been that since 4th of July, there have been so many pets that have gotten out of their yards, broken through doors, screen doors, whatever the case may be, and get lost. And we know that animals that are microchipped, again, uh, I can never vouch, and I'm sure I'll say this, and many of you will write me or contact me to tell me, oh, no, no, that's not what I heard. And you might be right. These things do happen. As we know, speaking of animals, poop does happen. But supposedly that shelters are not supposed to put animals to sleep that are microchipped. And the chances of reuniting with your family when your pet is microchipped are far, far greater than when it isn't. So uh, it's becoming, you hear a few stories. And I know we talked about this last week or the week before we had Dr. Lenzer on from American Animal Hospital Association that people say, oh my God, but no, no, I heard, let's, let's rephrase that. Dr. Google told me that microchips cause cancer. And, you know, and I always say, if you ever like listen to one of these commercials about a new drug, and they show, oh, the, the serenity, the peacefulness, the calmness, how fantastic it is. And then that voice comes on at the end of the commercial and basically says, and this could even kill you. <laughs> and yet it's out there because there had been one death. And whether or not it was actually contributed or, or maybe contributed because of the drug, because of another condition, who knows? But they have to report that. So, yes, there are dog cats, for example, would get vaccine-induced sarcomas from certain vaccines. That's a tumor from just the needle going in and the vaccine. So you need to tell me you're no gonna, we're not going to have any cats anymore. We're not going to save the millions and millions of lives that we have of cats because a very, very, very small number, less than 1%, can get a vaccine-induced sarcoma. It's insanity. So don't think that microchips cause cancer. I have been microchipping for years and years, practically as long as since they've come out on the market, and I have never, never had any kind of reaction like that. The only issue that I sometimes get is migration. And instead of being at the base of the, the nape of the neck by the shoulder blades where it's supposed to be in a dog, for example, it migrates down and you find it someplace on the side of the neck. But it still, it still works. So nonsense, nonsense. If you live in South Carolina, be careful, especially on Myrtle Beach. There has been a rise in venomous snake bites thought because of the rains, and then these snakes become much more mobile. They see this rise in pets only, not in humans. I guess because humans aren't digging through thick brush. And, you know, but if you take your dog, if you live in that area and you like to hike with your pet, you know, dogs are inquisitive and they're going to run off on their own if they're not on a leash. And, you know, they're still, even if you see them in eyesight, they're still there. You can see them. They're not running off. They're not going into a major highway, but they are uh, potentially exposed to venomous snakes. And one hospital in Myrtle Beach has seized, I, I was amazed, five to seven venomous bites a week. That's a lot of snake bites. So just as an FYI, if you're there, kind of be careful. And one last thing before we break, before we get on to what I wanted to talk about today, which is allergies. And actually, this is a good segue into allergies because one of these issues are allergies. But there was a report 
And I'm sure many of you out there, if you have certain breeds, especially I know in my labs, I know in, in spaniels, ear infections are really common. And ear infections can be caused by a number of reasons. Many of them are very refractory. And this study has shown that some of this refractory nature of these infections are not not because of the pet, right? Not because of the wrong choice of treatment. It's because the owners, that means you, stopped treatment too soon. You stopped treatment when the ear was looking really good instead of stopping it when you're supposed to. And that is the, the end of the course of treatment. Remember that the ear on the outside, that's the only way you can judge an ear is by lifting up the ear flap and looking. But there's a lot going on down in the dog and cat ear. There's a vertical canal. There's a band that goes into horizontal canal. You can't see that with your eye. So if the ear looks better to you and you say, oh, God, you know, I hate putting that stuff in the ear. I hate giving those pills. So you know what? The ear looks fine. I'm just going to stop. Well, that's what creates the refractory cases. That's what creates the problem. So when your veterinarian gives you medication or any kind of medication for a problem, be it ear infection, be it skin infection, be it anything, don't. Stop when the pet's doing well. Stop when the doctor tells you to stop. All right, anyway, don't go away. We'll be back in a second. We're going to talk about allergies. I've seen, you know, this is the time of year we see them. I'm sure many of you have been problem, having problems with your pet's allergies. We're going to talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned here on Pet Life Radio. We'll be back in a minute. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Are you having trouble getting the word out about your new pet product or invention? Let Whitegate PR open the gate to your marketing and public relations efforts. We've been specializing in public relations in the pet industry for over a decade. From press releases to media relations and publicity to pet trade shows and launch events to social media, the pet-friendly team at Whitegate PR has you covered. If you listen to the wise words of Bill Gates, he says, If I had $1 left, I'd spend it on PR. Learn more at WhitegatePR.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Gerber, host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And, um, and just going into the break, we uh, talked about a study that was uh, indicating that some of the ear problems 
refractory chronic ear problems that we see are partly your fault. Those of you who are using probably the wrong criteria to stop treatment, i.e. you are stopping it when the ear looks good to you instead of bringing back to the veterinarian, end of their course when you are given instructions to do that meds for 10 days, do it for 10 days, not stop after six because the ear looks great. You got to really get to the, the bottom of the problem. And there are many causes of ear infection. In fact, skin problems in general. And this time of year, we see a ton. It is by far the number one reason I will see an itching, scratching dog this time of year is allergies. And because one of the big culprits of the allergic disease are pollens, trees, weeds, grasses, you name it, pollens. And guess what? Pollens are usually seasonal. So fleas, another big reason, usually seasonal. I mean, certainly some parts of the country, let's face it, down south in the southeast, in the panhandle, you're going to see a lot of fleas year round. But for many of us, even in California, Southern California, we don't see a ton of flea problems during the winter. Oh, my God, do we see a lot, though, this time of year. So uh, since they are major culprits of the skin allergies, we're going to see seasonality. And what happens if we don't see seasonality? First of all, from a diagnostic standpoint, that's a huge help for us in determining what the cause or causes may be. Because if we have a dog who's just totally fine during the winter, the fall and winter, all right? And then comes springtime, March, April, they start scratching again and they start getting the skin infections and whatever. You see fleas and you pretty much know you're dealing with a seasonal problem. So that way you can almost eliminate food as a cause and you can practically eliminate a household allergens. But if your dog is allergic all year round to some degree and maybe worse during the spring and summer, but still having problems all year round. Now you have to think of some household allergens, things like wool and cotton and kapok and tobacco and um, insects like ants and things around that, roaches, feathers, human epithelia. I've tested some dogs and they came back that they're allergic to their owners. Cat dander. Yes, dogs should be allergic to cats just like we can. So there are enough issues, problems out there from in that within the home that your pets could be allergic to as well. And of course, there's food. Now, one benefit, and this is a great way to sort of at least put some things into perspective, but one of the benefits that we have when it comes to dogs, and look, this is not a guarantee. The dog did not read the dog book. They don't know. So they don't know how they're supposed to respond or react. However, we do know that there are certain parts of the body that seem to be more affected depending on the allergen. For example, fleas. The classic presentation of a dog with flea allergy is the rump. The butt just above the tail, the lower back. They're chewing, they're biting. You pet them, you see scabs, it's red, It's you name it. When I see that, I can almost guarantee to the owner, they think I'm nuts, and I almost win every single time. A very few have I not. I'm going to see fleas or flea dirt. Now, flea dirt is disgustingly flea poop, which is the dog's dried blood. So they look like little, I don't know, like little specks, little commas almost. And that if you see that, that's like a big sign on the dog saying, fleas were here. And so if you see that in that area, you're dealing with fleas. Now, let's roll that dog over on its back and let's look at its groin, its ventrum, we call it its belly, the thighs. If those are infected, now I'm thinking atopy. Atopy is inhaled allergens. And with atopy, you're going to see lesions in the groin area and the thighs. And of course, there's going to be overlap. But now that makes sense. If I have a dog, seasonal allergies, I roll him over and he's got lesions in that area, then yeah, he's got pollen allergies. 
I can't tell you what from what yet, but I know they're pollens. Inhaled allergens. Now, if a dog is going after its ears as well, and it's seasonal, I'm thinking pollen as well. But what about that dog who's has a chronic ear disease, even during the year, even during the winter, has rubs its face, chews at its feet like a lot, where you see the saliva staining, you see that brown kind of change of color, all right? Now you have a dog, highest on my list has just become food allergy. And we're, we'll get into determining the differences, treatment, et cetera, on another show. But at least you know that's a food allergy. And then you also have contact allergens. Now, contact is where they lie down on things and they get a rash. So unlike the groin, the lower part when it comes to atopy and the thighs and the caudal part, the back part of the legs, when it comes to the front part, and the chest, for example, I would look for something they lying down on, whether it's a freshly fertilized grass, whether it's a, a carpet or an area rug that's been treated with something or just the wool itself. Then we know that that is a very likely scenario. Now, if we have a dog, however, usually a young dog who is itching like crazy, ears and under the arms, I mean, to the point of almost seeing rashes and feeling thickened skin and just going nuts on the back of the ears, you feel like crusts. You can tickle the back of the ears, tickle the ear edges, and you get what's called the pinnipedal reflex, where that back leg starts going like crazy. And as I said, you either have a young dog, like a puppy, or an older dog who's playing with the puppy. Then you need to look at something called sarcoptic manes, we call scabies. And that dog definitely needs to be skin uh, treated with a skin scraping, well, first diagnosed with a skin scraping and treated, very easily treated. And just so you know, just so you know, is a little warning here that scabies is contagious to you as well. Now, the mites can live on us. They can't reproduce on us. So they just can't keep going forever and ever like you do on the dog. But you can go through a phase. And if you have such a dog and then you notice yourself scratching your forearms or along your belt line and you're seeing a little rash, you might want to see your own dog. But uh, that really could mean that you too have a scabies infection, a mite change my infection with the sarcoptes mite. Now, as far as treatment, you definitely need to see a veterinarian. You cannot ignore these because these animals need to be on antibiotics to control the secondary infection. They need to be on some sort of anti-allergy medication. The classic has been prednisone, some sort of cortisone. I'm not a huge fan, but it was the best we had. Many dermatologists and specialists like the cyclosporine. I'm not a huge fan, but it sometimes is what we have to resort to. What I'm loving now is the new Apoquil. It's that new medication from Zoetis, and your veterinarian should have it, seeing it in ample supply. It's not yet where it needs to be, but it is very effective. I usually start it twice a day. It sometimes can drop to once a day after a week or two. I find some animals are going to need it twice a day forever, but it is very effective, but it's only as effective as you use it. So for those of you out there that have otherwise healthy animals that are young to middle age, don't mind spending a few dollars. I would 100% still recommend that you get these animals tested. The testing now can be done via blood sample. It doesn't have to have the scratch test anymore. So it makes it very convenient. Your general practice veterinarian can actually do the test and send it off to the lab and come back with a report that lets you know what your pet's allergic to and then start to desensitize your pet specifically. Even drugs and medications as good as Apoquil or even a new one, Jalucan 31 immunotherapy. It's a once a month injection and it is extremely effective as well. I've had some great success with it. A little more difficult to get. It's not ready for the open market yet. You need to talk to your veterinarian. They may be the veterinary dermatologist in your area would have it. 
but it's the IL-31 immunotherapy injection, also by Zoetis, the makers of Apoquil. And I found that to be extremely effective and, let's face it, very convenient because it's one shot. It's good for a month and you don't have to deal with anything else. You don't have to do daily pills, daily medication. Uh, it seems to work very well. But I think the best, the best of the best, if you can identify what your pet's allergic to, it's avoidance. So keeping him or her away from whatever it is, if it's food, uh, you do food elimination and you discover what the best diet is for your pet. If it's the pollens, you have to do, you can't obviously put them in a plastic bubble. So you need to come up with a way to minimize the the exposure, or since you can't always minimize the exposure, at least do something to help your body's, body's reaction to that exposure. And that's going to be either an you know immunomodulator type drug, uh, immunosuppressive, which I don't like, that's the prednisones and the cyclosporins, or think about desensitizing. And that is good old fashioned allergy shots, or now sublingual, that means under the tongue allergy drops that will build up your pet's own immunity to that which he or she's allergic to. But the one caveat, the one thing I need to remind is I see so many cases from, as I like to call them, elsewhere Animal Hospital, where the treatment was pretty darn good. And I, I really can't comment negatively about the treatment. However, for one thing, one of the most common problems we see with canine allergy, feline allergy is secondary infection. You need to treat the infection as well. So when you go home with just the medication, just the Apoquil even, or just the steroid or just the cyclosporine, and don't try to find out what the pet's allergic to, and don't try to control the secondary infection, you're only kind of doing it halfway. And, uh, and that's why you're going to see these refractory cases. So anyway, hope I got a little education here in the last 30 minutes. If you uh, have any questions for me, you can always get a hold of me at Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And know that we're going to be here every Sunday morning, 9 in the Pacific, noon back east, and 10 or 11, depending on where you live in the country. And um, so if you want to save up those questions, get the courage, get the guts to join us here live on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again to our sponsors, ProSense, Kong Veterinary Products, Comfortis, Save This Life Microchip, and uh, we'll see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.